Hi, I'm Brett Robinson. Welcome to the Redeeming Hope Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. We trust that you'll be inspired, uplifted, and encouraged as we look into God's Word together. Okay, so we're continuing with our series, The Switcheroo, number two. Today I want to speak to you about, I want to get into the meat of the word and talk about some spiritual principles so that you know this is not just all about humor and a funny sermon title, but how does this actually apply to my life? So um, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn with me to Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. If you don't, don't worry, I'm going to read it to you. And uh, while you're turning there, um, I want to just open with the statements that meditation is the secret hothouse that takes the seed of God's word in our hearts from germination to cultivation to transformation. And that's ultimately what we're all looking for as we express our faith in Jesus and walk this faith journey together with him. So let's read together. Joshua 1 verse 8 says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So let's just frame that term prosperous and successful with with words like fruitfulness, bountifulness, with harvest. Would you agree with me as we look at this kind of theme throughout the word that those words would be synonymous and mean the same type of thing? So as we're looking at those words of germination, cultivation and transformation, then um, it's going to be helpful for us in our understanding. So as we do that, we begin to realize that God's giving us some secrets of the kingdom in order to live in his fullness in order to live in fruitfulness in order to live out of a place of the harvest of all that he has for us so it says keep this book of the law always on your lips meditate on it day and night so from that i want to say this to you meditation and confession causes germination meditation and confession causes germination why is this so important because sometimes in life have you ever heard of the the term analysis paralysis when you basically there's so much information you're like we live in a day of information where like you can pretty much discover anything you want on you know um youtube or on wikipedia or on like you know numerous other sources and It's not only that there's information there, if we go looking for it, we're constantly being bombarded by information from so many different sources. So, where do we start? How do we begin to step out in our life into that place of fruitfulness and fullness, that prosperity that Joshua 1, 8 is talking about? We start in a place of meditation and confession that's where it begins um, Psalm 91 calls it the secret place of the Most High we have to get alone with God we have to be with him in his word in a place of worship being prayerful around his word 
And in that place of worship and in God's presence, we begin to confess His Word. We begin to speak it out. We begin to pray it out. And that causes germination to happen in our spirit man. What does germination mean? It's been a while since some of you were in high school and did biology. Germination means, according to the dictionary definition, to come into being. There are things in God's Word that we long for in our hearts to come into being in our lives. And maybe just not in our lives personally, but in the lives of our family, in the lives of friends, and in just in terms of the plan and purpose and promise that God has for our lives, the things that we've seen in His Word, that we've read, that we've heard preached and taught about, and we long for these things to come into being. Well, the place to start is to allow those truths, those promises of God's Word to germinate in our hearts, to come into being. The next definition is to cause to sprout or to develop. If you've had a young child go through uh, primary school, um, you've probably done the experiment of planting some little seed in a tiny little <coughs> pot of soil by a window. And um, I think mostly it's beans that seem to come home. I don't know why they don't send home strawberry seeds or something that you could actually like, be a bit more fun and interesting. But yeah, it's normally beans. And um, so you, this thing gets planted and it gets watered and there's a bit of sunlight on it every day. And you wait and watch for that first little sprout to poke its head out of the soil. And when it comes out, there's like so much excitement in the house. Hey, have you seen it sprouting? The green leaf is coming. And at first it's a tiny little shoot. And then after a few days, it starts to form a little leaf. And that little leaf starts going more green and it starts unrolling. And it's so exciting to, to watch happen. But before it pops its head out of the soil, it's, it seems like nothing's happening. And there's a test in here for us spiritually as well. There's a time of hiddenness where it seems like nothing is happening. Is that the time to abandon that seed of God's word? And go, oh, well, it didn't work. Nothing's happening. No, that's why God's taught us from the word about the principle of the seed and this principle of understanding germination. It takes time for things to sprout and develop. We have to exercise patience and just carry on doing what we know is right. The last definition of germination is to begin to grow. So when we are in that secret place with God and we are meditating on His Word and confessing it, it's on our lips as Joshua 1 verse 8 says, then things begin to grow. So there's a secret here. That which is on your lips is going to cause something to grow in your life. And this principle applies equally with, you know, causing God's promises and the good things that He's purpose for us to come, in, to come to pass in our lives and even negative things in our lives as well. The things that we meditate on, the things that we choose to put on our lips and we speak about, it comes to pass. So let's move on to the next one. We said meditation and confession will cause germination. The next one is thanksgiving and praise cause cultivation. The word cultivate means to foster the growth of, to loosen or break up the soil. To foster the growth of God's word and promises in our heart, it needs to be in a rich soil, the seed of God's word. 
And uh, we all know that a, a natural seed will grow best in soil that's rich and filled with nutrients. And when we fill our lives with thanksgiving and praise, it causes that crop to be cultivated. It causes a richness in our lives in which the seed of God's word can grow. So that next definition was to loosen or break up the soil. And this is a very interesting one because as we now begin to see things happening in our lives at God's promise and we begin to see a little bit of it happening, there's a spiritual truth here that we have to loose ourselves and break up with ideas or beliefs which are contrary to God's word. And Mark chapter 4 talks about that as well. The weeds which grow up alongside the seed that was planted, that the farmer sowed, which is meant to now grow up and produce a crop, but the weeds grow up alongside it and begin to choke the seed. So we've got to loose ourselves and break up with any ideas or beliefs which are contrary to God's word. The challenge for us is that many times we are familiar with those same limiting beliefs and thoughts and ideas. So we have to be discerning and that Discernment comes from waiting on God and trusting Him and, and um, asking Him to impart His wisdom and discernment to us. And, and then um, comparing those thoughts and belief systems that we have against what the Word of God says. The last definition for cultivate is to improve by labor, care or study. And I really like this one because it shows that there has to be an element of intentionality if we're going to cultivate the truth of God's Word. If we're going to see those things that God's planted in our hearts actually come to fullness and become a crop that, that is fruitful in our lives. To improve by labor, care or study. So... We have to take care of those things. We have to apply ourselves and be in the Word and be studying the Word to know what it says. The third word, gone through germination and cultivation. Now we're going to talk about transformation. So if meditation and confession causes germination and thanksgiving and praise cause cultivation, this is the uncomfortable one, stepping out of the boat causes transformation. How many of you know that the other disciples who were in the boat with Jesus also heard Jesus? They also saw Jesus. They were in the same situation as Peter was. But only Peter stepped out of the boat. Guess who grew more in that situation? Guess who was transformed more? Peter was transformed because he was willing to step out and follow Jesus. Because he was willing to walk with Jesus. There's a big difference though between transformation and improvement. Most of us want to improve ourselves, improve our lives. But you know that God wants to transform you, not just improve you. The word transform means to change in composition or structure, to change the outward form or appearance of, to change in character or condition. So God's looking not just to improve the old you that 
you know, you were doing your best in life and maybe trying to be a good person, but before you knew Jesus and before you placed your faith in Him, He's not trying to improve that. He's looking to transform us into His image and in His likeness. We know transformation is happening when the outward form or appearance changes, when our character changes, when the condition of our hearts change. We know transformation is happening. So it's change in composition and structure, change in outward form or appearance, change in character or condition. How many of you can see what the common denominator is in transformation? Change. Change is the common denominator. You can't have transformation without change, and you can't have true and lasting change without a change of heart that comes through knowing Jesus. Yes, we can change our lives here in this earth, and I'm not talking about just that kind of change. I'm talking about the eternal change that comes when Jesus comes into our hearts and our hearts are transformed. And that kind of change produces an eternal benefit that outweighs any benefit we can receive here on earth. I'd like to give you some further principles from the Word that talk about this process. And you can turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. And we're going to read from verse 20 to verse 22. God's words have the power to turn us, to change us, and to transform us. Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. So you can see some of the process of cultivation happening over here. We spoke about how cultivation is to improve by labor, care, or study. And we spoke about that word intentionality, being intentional, being purposeful. There's a commitment there. There's action that's involved over there. And look how many action words there are in this short little passage. Pay attention. Turn your ear. Do not let them out of your sight. It speaks about keeping your focus. Keep them within your heart. It speaks about being single-minded. For they are life to those who find them. It speaks about seeking them. Jesus said, ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. There's an intentionality. There's a purpose. And I love the way it ends. For there are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. There is no part or system in our body that is excluded. God's in the business of healing from nose to toes and everything in between. God wants us to live in fullness, spirit, soul, and body. When we're paying attention to what he says, turning our ear to his words. And I believe that's talking about filtering out some other things. Sometimes when someone in my family speaks to me and I really want to give them my attention, I actually turn. I turn not just my head, but turn my body to face them and they know they have my full attention. So there's a turning that happens in our lives when we are earnest in our desire to cultivate in our hearts those things what God has planted there.
Do not let them out of your sight. I believe this speaks about the many distractions that happen. It's not like they necessarily become distant because they are moving away from us. It's not talking about, they haven't said don't let them out of your sight. I believe it's talking about the many distractions that come to us in normal business of life. Keep them within your heart. What is that speaking about? It's speaking about a heart speaks about those things which are nearest to us. It speaks about our values, those things which are most important to us. Keep them as a high value. George Lucas said, Always remember, your focus becomes your reality. But I'd like to take it one step further and say, Your focus will also become the reality for many people around you as well. I don't know if you've seen that in your life, but I've noticed even in practical things in my life, the things that I have focused on have had uh, an outward impact on those around me. So um, when I was in school, uh, I played uh, tennis, loved playing tennis. Well, that had an impact on those around me because I ended up associating and hanging out with other tennis players. So tennis was a big focus in my life. So my life had an influence in one way or another with uh, lots of other tennis players. Later on in my life, I started playing drums. Well, that had an impact in my life because I started hanging out with other musicians. So my life was influenced by and I influenced lots of other musicians and developed great relationships with other people who are musos and involved in sound. Turned out that had a very big impact later on in my life because of my interest in drums, which sparked an interest in guitaring and sound, many years later in my life, I took an interest in acoustics, which turned out to be a career path for me. <laughs> That's influenced a lot of people. <laughs> there was a time in my life when I turned my focus and attention to a young lady called Janine Mundy. <laughs> well, my turning of my attention toward her and what started out just as a friendship and grew um, into a romance and became a marriage, well, that's resulted in a whole family. So where we turn our focus and our attention doesn't change just our reality, but changes the reality of lots of people around us and can cause lots of life to come. So it's important, this is what Proverbs is, is teaching us here, where you focus your time and your attention and that which has your heart is going to become a big influencing factor and bring life about uh, for you and those around you. I want to speak about um, source. We know that the seed is a source of life, right? So I want to speak about source. We've been speaking about the, the humorous term, the switcheroo, and really all it's about is focusing on what is your point of view. Are we looking at things from an earthly point of view? And we read that lovely scripture from the message talking about shuffling along with our eyes to the ground. And we also spoke about heaven's point of view. And we were saying how we need to have heaven's point of view um, in our lives. So where is our source? that is influencing our perspective and our point of view. Our ability to switch to heaven's viewpoint depends on what our source is. And we know that the source is that which we see, that which we hear, 
that which we are meditating on, the thoughts of our heart. So let me ask you some questions. What is causing a drain on your resources? Where is there a draw on your spiritual power reserve? We have to switch from drain to gain. One of the definitions that we learned was it has to be a loosening and a breaking up of if we're going to cultivate. So we have to learn to identify those things in our lives that are a drain and that are a draw on our resources. Heaven will always empower us. Amen. Let me ask you this. What is causing interference on the clarity of your signal from heaven? What other voices are distracting you? If our attention is diverted, then our efforts are divided. We have to switch from being diluted to being concentrated. Satan will compromise that which God has planted in our life, that which he's put in our lives with intention to cause us to be single-minded and focused on. He seeks to come to dilute it and to divide it and to compromise the value and the power of it. So we've got to switch from being diluted to concentrated. Where, if you're honest with yourself, where do you feel like you're a little bit diluted in your life and you're not plugged directly into the source? The subtle compromise we can sell ourselves is, well, I'm doing okay, or I'll be okay. It's not ideal, but I'll be okay. It's not great. It's not really what I would hope for. It's not really what I long for, but it'll be okay. I want to ask you though today, since when is okay acceptable? As long as you're satisfied with being okay, you'll never be great. When does the great life start? Now this is not a trick question, but it's one that we all have to come to terms with because this question goes directly to the heart of that switching point that pivot point in our lives. When does great start? Does great start in our lives when everything around us looks great? Our kids are great, our wife or our husband is great, our finances are great, the house is great, the car is great, the job is great, our friends are great, the country is great. <laughs> You see, there's a lot of things which can influence when great starts for you. And if we are looking around at all those things, we can't control most of them. You can't even control your own spouse. Never mind your kids. That's right. So, yeah. Never, never, mind the, never mind the country or the president. Never mind the economy. So, if great is only going to start in your life when those things are just great according to whatever your definition is, you might end up waiting for the rest of your life. You might miss it completely. So, I put to you today that great starts in the place of faith. 
I put to you today that every day can and should be great. If we start our day in a great place, the secret place of the Most High. If we yield and submit our day to Him and our souls to Him, the Bible says to us, when we humble ourselves before the Lord, He will lift us up. But to me, that sounds great. <laughs> so remind yourself that great starts in the place of faith. It's really hard to make this switch though. It sounds easy. But you know, you can say that, yeah, and then someone comes to you and they go, hey, how are you doing? You go, well, I'm okay. <laughs> you just made a switch back to okay. <laughs> and you know, in your head, you're going, well, I can't really say I'm great. I've got problems. <laughs> you know, if I say I'm great, they'll think everything is great. <laughs> it's really hard to make that switch. It really takes a leap of faith. It takes stepping out of the boat. So there's an important switch that we have to make in our thinking, in our hearts. It has to become a heart value for us that okay is not good enough. I'm not settling for okay. I choose great because that's what God has chosen for me. Why would we choose anything less than what He has chosen for us? Why would we settle for just okay when the kind of life God has promised us is so much more? Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. According to Ephesians, it's bigger than anything we can imagine. It's bigger, broader, deeper, higher, and wider. It's full of promise and established by an unbreakable covenant. Jesus didn't go suffer the cross so that we could just be okay. We're now sons and daughters of the Most High God, a holy people and a royal priesthood. We are forgiven, loved, accepted, blessed, and highly favored by God Most High. That sounds great. There's a passage in Scripture, and we're going to end with this, that talks about the source. And the Lord began to shake up my thinking around this passage. I want to read it to you. It's from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. In the Amplified, it says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Watch over your heart. In the beginning, we were speaking just now about that seed and the, the project that our children often have of planting that bean seed, you know. And what do we do? Every day we watch over it with excitement. We have to watch over our heart with all diligence. In the NIV it says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. I put to you today that God is challenging us to watch over the source in our lives. Because it's the source. Everything in our lives flows from it. Before we look at what it does mean, I want to give you some things I believe it does not mean. Because... I think I thought about the scripture passage a bit like this for many years when it says, above all else, guard your heart. This is not saying live small. 
You know, some people, you say, oh, you, they, this person seems very guarded. They, they seem very insular. They, they seem a bit isolated. They seem a bit detached. It's not saying live small. It's not saying be suspicious of others. It's not saying live an insulated, isolated, detached, safe little life. So what is this saying? Well, I believe if you read this verse in the context of the whole book of Proverbs, and then you begin to get an overview of what God's talking about in the matters of the heart and God's plan and purpose and blessing for us, I believe that we can take the following. What it is saying is this. Don't be distracted by the demands of life. Don't be drawn in by the temptations of the world. Be pure-hearted. Live with honor. Drink deeply of the love of God. Live full of passion and purpose. Feed your inner man on the truths of God's word. Be generous. Share freely. And don't look down on who you are or what God has given you. Make the switch. And we're going to end with this passage in 2 Corinthians 5.16, which talks about a switch in points of view. And Paul writes, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. It really struck me that it's, he says, from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Well, what is that? That's just what we can see, what we can hear, what we can observe with our five physical senses. From now on, we regard no one by those things. But yet, oftentimes, the, the limiting beliefs we place upon ourselves are based upon our five physical senses. You know, something we felt, something we saw, something that happened when we touched or whatever. Bible says, regard no one from a worldly point of view. That includes you and includes me. It absolutely speaks about the view that we have of ourselves. He goes on to say, Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. What is he speaking about? There's a pivot point. There's a switch happening in the point of view. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. This goes back to my question, when does great start? If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. When we begin to get a revelation and an understanding of that, and that is what we're meditating on and we're confessing, and we begin to walk in that place, and we begin to walk in a place of thanksgiving and praise, and we're cultivating God's presence in our lives because we believe it, and we're living out of that place of transformation. Thank you, Lord, I have been transformed. It doesn't matter if I don't see it, Lord. I thank you that it's happened in my heart. That's where it comes from, that transformation. The old is gone and the new is here. And there's a place in our lives where we have to come to a point where we go, 
Yes, I was that person. Maybe was was even yesterday. Maybe was was an hour ago. We have to go, I'm not that person anymore. The old is gone. Yes, I used to be impatient. Yes, I used to be ir easily irritated. Yes, I used to be whatever it was. But now, the new has come. I am in Christ Jesus and He is in me. The new is here. Amen.